0: This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency.
1: Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, let you ride around my city, I can show you around my city, welcome to my city.
0: Welcome back to South Bend Beat, everybody. After a small break, uh, we're back with quite the episode. Um, as quick housekeeping note here, you'll notice my voice is a little scratchy. Battle in the back end of a cold, so uh, I'm sorry about that. But we did have on Steve Smith and Vanessa Corman Smith of Irish Realty, and obviously Vanessa uh, started and blew up Flourish Boutique. Um, we kind of talked about everything from them meeting in seventh grade and starting the relationship in seventh grade to all the way where they are now. Uh, we talked about whether they have to disclose if houses are haunted, which the answer surprised me. We talked about the real estate market in South Bend, what neighborhoods are on the rise, and uh, how to balance uh, kind of this budding, massive empire and family life. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Stephen and Vanessa. How are you guys doing
2: great? How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well. I want to start with it seems like I can't go a block in this city without seeing you guys sign somewhere. <laughs> you guys got a lot going on. Um, we like to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. it, so my one of my best friends lives over on Notre Dame Ave Okay. and um, like the Notre Dame apartments. Yeah. And I think right across the street. Yeah we do. Uh, you guys by the like old firehouse. Exactly. Have some stuff going on. So is that just new home builds basically?
1: Yeah absolutely. So uh, we are both developers and builders as well as real estate brokers in town and that Notre Dame market we've been extremely active in. So there we're acting in a brokerage capacity. We have those listed for a builder developer.
0: Awesome. And it's uh, and that's an area that like over the last few years, it seems is like drastically changed. Oh
2: my gosh. Huge, huge evolution. Yeah, absolutely. And I credit, well, I credit a lot of people, but Steven's really had a passion for um, that area and kind of I don't know had a lot of foresight in that mm-hmm. and um, You know just made some really smart purchases and so forth But also has helped a lot of developers get going in that area. So but you can elaborate Yeah, on no- that.
1: Notre Dame started their Notre Dame Avenue housing project back around the year 2000 They began buying up homes tearing them down and they redid a, about a four block by four block area there just south of Notre Dame and Angela and that kind of sowed the seeds for what was to come next. Then Eddy Street drops in yeah. 2008, 2009, and now everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid, right? So, so you know, before it was very speculative. In 2013, mm-hmm. we per, put our first spec home at 613 Corby, about four blocks off Notre Dame right. Avenue. And people thought we were lost Crazy. our minds. You know? <laughs> like, how are you putting a three, $400,000 house in the middle of those, you know, rundown $60,000 homes over there?
0: And just unbelievable to see the transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's some gorgeous homes there now, like yeah. just absolute top of the line. And do you see that um, expanding back off? So, what is that street that Notre Dame runs into? It'd be like Campo.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Notre Dame dead ends into Soren Street there yeah. and kind of jogs and then goes by what is now the new St. Joe High School, was right. mm-hmm. St. Joe Hospital. Yeah. No, the, you know, you have two nodes of development. You've got the East Bank area, you know, where we're sitting right now doing right. this podcast right. and it's it's blowing up. And uh, and then there's the Notre Dame market there and the two are really going to grow together. That whole yeah, area merging. is going to fill in. And what's cool about downtown is we have this thriving arts and entertainment district, in a, in including to hopefully vertical housing. Right. And then the single-family homes and all that and everything that Notre Dame has to offer, and it's, it's going to be awesome.
0: So fill us in both of you on your um – Backgrounds, you know, born and raised here. Yeah, we um, both are. Yep. Yeah, both born and raised. Mm-hmm, both
2: born in South Bend, both Junior, born at Memorial Hospital. Junior oh, high yeah. sweethearts. Yep, yep. Junior high sweethearts. Yep. Yes, we met in seventh grade at Trinity School at Greenland. That's yep. crazy. Mm-hmm, right yep, that's right awesome. off Jefferson here. So. Yeah, just yeah. down the road from here. Yeah. Yeah. And our son is there now. He's a seventh grader there. So he is the age. That oh, we that met. was meeting
1: future wife yet? Uh, no. <laughs> we hope not. hope not. Now we look at him and we're like, no wonder our parents thought we were crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: so, but yeah, that's so that's kind of a unique part of our background. So, but um, but yeah, so I went to Saint Mary's College after Trinity, and Stephen went to Valpo. And um, I studied fine art, actually, much to my dad's dismay, because he is a (laughs) hardcore (laughs) business guy. Um, But I also had an education minor and almost a business minor. And I, I kind of wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But during college, I worked at a boutique and fell in love with business and retail and how it merged with fashion and art and Design and so I started flourish boutique in 2008 and ran that for eight years Um, and it was You know very successful and I really enjoyed doing it. We ended up closing it in 2016 when we had our second baby um, and our real estate business was just expanding by leaps and bounds and we were kind of having trouble growing two totally divergent empires Um, so we took a pause kind of, you know, uh, on the boutique and, um, just focused on my kiddos. And now I have, um, kind of evolved flourish into designed to flourish. And I do interior design and staging, which is a great kind of partner to our real estate company.
0: And I want to talk about flourish a little bit because it, you almost undersold it a little bit. The way Aww. you were just talking about it. It had a massive social presence, Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you go about from like day one to getting it to where it was?
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, really lots of hard work, sweat, tears, blood. <laughs> it was, it was not like an overnight success, you know, that just happened or something. I worked, um, pretty much around the clock for years and years and years Um, I was really dedicated to social media right from right out of the gate I think maybe that was you know kind of unique I think a lot of people didn't really see at first how it could be useful and I was over there uh, tracking down every person I knew on Facebook and um, I would ask local people to model for us and then they would model the clothing and then their friends would find out about it that way and you know it just kind of was word of mouth via social media and spread so but yeah at one point we had um several hundred thousand fans on Facebook and 20,000 fans on Instagram and um our uh, honestly it was hard to go out in town without seeing someone in flourish so it became you know, very successful. I I can still remember the first time I saw someone in Flourish. I started crying. I think we were on a date night, and he said, "What are you crying for?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I "What did I say?" You know? <laughs> and I was like, "I just saw a girl walk by wearing an outfit from my store." So um, so yeah, it was definitely started in a tiny little 500 square foot building, and we grew it into a large uh, retail operation, and we did a lot of online sales as well. So um. You know we talk about maybe having a another flourish boutique in the future okay. but we'll we'll just have to see we'll you just... don't want to break that
0: news right now no <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no.
2: no yeah we're
1: still still having babies and, and yeah. real estate's been exploding so yeah. we're trying to keep the focus in but you mentioned social media it's, mm-hmm. it's a funny story there so i did not embrace social media in real estate and i'm guessing this is probably circa 2015 maybe 14, 14 maybe, maybe. Yeah. Vanessa says, man, you really need to be using social media and real estate. And, and I, I, I was honest with her. I said, I just don't understand. Why do I want to tell my 700 fraternity brothers who live across the country and all my extended my family in Georgia, Georgia, that I just listed a home that they're not going to buy. Like, I just, why do I want to post that? And she's like, no, you don't get it. Like there's paid promotion and there's ways to build an audience here and attract users to your page. who are not currently your friends. And I'm like. Oh, and so she's like, let me show you how to do it. And literally within, she, she ran it for a month or two and kind of showed me some basic things that we could start doing. And then it was amazing. People started a private message and wanna, you know, think about doing business over Facebook. And within a month or so, you know, I, I'd look in my message, my private message feed, and now the oldest message on the screen was two weeks ago and before that, it was like five years ago. It's so just the amount of engagement yeah. with people in the community. So that was really, really cool, and it's become fun—a fun platform just to share all the mm-hmm. things that we're passionate about and doing.
2: Now people are—you come to listing appointments, and like people say, "Oh, you're that Facebook guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which cracks yeah, us when, up. One cl- when, when there was a,
1: a kid, a kid of the parents. One time, she's like, "Dad, that guy's like Facebook royalty." Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> huh? you "What?" Know. So I gotta
0: ask: From day one, did you have because what you do? extremely well in social media is your imagery like your photos are just phenomenal was that from day one really leaning into the visual aspect or was it did it take a while
1: it's been through a a few iterations but again a lot of that goes back to Vanessa in Mm -hmm. the early stages of our business she has just always been passionate about a really high aesthetic I can remember when she was building her first Website? website for flourish she'd be like well, Macy's and you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like,
0: what does that have to do
1: with anything? You know what I
0: mean?
1: Yeah. It's like, are we competing against Macy's? So she just put together this world-class website and then was focused, like was investing heavily in just unbelievable imagery. And so we were passionate about that too. And then did that too. But I saw in her business, just when you, when you espouse a level of excellence, that's just really, really high, what a difference that makes and then and then i've watched in real estate how that imagery and the internet and you know powerful images on the internet really drive people's well, interest well
2: people we call it the first showing because really with the internet people are shopping for homes online before they're and, even willing and making to go a decision
1: out and see about whether yeah. they will ever see that home yeah. based on the quality so you have of the to images have
2: good imagery you know if you don't have a, po- a really powerful visual brand then, you know, you're not going to get as much interest in your home. So, but, but and I,
1: I, I got to give a shout out to Chris Aerosmith. Yes, I was just going to say. Before we leave that topic, he's been our marketing director since early 2016. And, he, we, and our full-time photographer. And our full-time mm-hmm. photographer, yeah. in-house guy. So we kind of own that look, but it's thanks to him. He had kind of created that style of photography and imagery. And we first met him as an independent contractor and then mm-hmm.
2: we're like, we have we to gotta bring. We got to bring this guy on board and like make this part of our brand.
1: And you're <laughs> yeah. right; those images have become synonymous with our brand. Mm-hmm. And thank right. you, Chris. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you.
2: Yeah, and that's true. Like in my business and Flourish, but before we closed it, I had a full-time photographer that worked for me. And I mean, I think that's really unusual for you know, like a small town boutique to have a full time photographer, but there was just that commitment to making sure that the visual brand was so strong. And she actually I have to plug her business, Megan Gilbert Photography, she's uh, started her her own business now. So she is amazing. Um, She does like a lot of seniors and, and kind of, I think, having done the fashion photography with us has parlayed into doing like pageant photos and girls' senior pictures and stuff like that. So, but anyways, yes, a commitment to excellence in photography. We kind of took that lesson where, you know, kind of you create it and they will come as far as creating excellence and then the people will become customers because they want to be a part of your story. We've basically, you know, used that lesson and just applied it right into the real estate business. So
0: awesome. Steve, let's talk about uh, your background a little bit more. Take us from Valpo
1: to current day. Yep, at Valpo, um, I came from a academic family. The reason I live in South Bend, my parents are from Georgia. My dad came here to get a a PhD in biology at the University of Notre Dame. And so business was not part of our family structure. I was getting a degree in chemistry. I took math and physics for fun enrolled in the That's pretty wild <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I enrolled in the University of Notre Dame uh, to get a PhD in chemistry and we built our first house and decided we really wanted to, to build our businesses and raise our family in South Bend, be close to our parents. And Vanessa took a job in real estate with her dad at that time to help pay f- for our family while I was going to be going to grad school. And I just hated my senior research. It was miserable uh her dad who's a relentless entrepreneur was like you know you really should take an interest test and uh that interest test said flee <laughs> you know flee right. from chemistry it said you're 100 percent social you need to be in sales and i just business was not part of my family life so i'm like what like you know i didn't go to college to get a sales job or whatever. <laughs> yeah. i was having a hard time like understanding that but, oh my gosh It has become my passion. It has become my ministry. I consider myself a steward of housing in our community. So it's you know, not just a realtor. You know, it's really a, a big deal. And so yeah, it's been it's been a heck of a journey. But about about a year after Valpo. Her dad reached out to me. I had picked up my real estate license because she was going to be working open houses on the weekend. I never planned to use it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then her dad was like, yo, I just landed this big Notre Dame townhome project called Dublin Village Townhomes up in Roseland across from the St. Mary's Inn. We, we're such a small company. We literally don't have anyone to sell this. And so at like 22 years old, I quit my first job out of college and migrated into real estate and the rest is history.
0: <laughs> and it's been going pretty well, I'd say. It's been do going they, well. Um, are there any areas of South Bend for you guys that, um, as far as development goes, that are a little bit more near to your heart, um, near, dear to your heart that uh, you'd like to see do well or maybe you pay a little extra attention to?
1: Yeah, absolutely here. Uh, you know, I was kind of forged out of that uh, Notre Dame market there, selling primarily condos and townhomes that are directly around the university. Um, but her dad is, a, is a, one of the, the area's largest single-family residential yeah. developer, Steve Corman. And uh, he's a co-owner at Irish Realty. And the Corman Real Estate Group is the parent company that kind of started this all. So he has like 200 lots um, across 10 neighborhoods on the northwest side of South Bend. So we, we love that area. He mm-hmm. was a New Carlisle Farm kid. And so that land is part of his, his DNA. But I grew up here in this nerd A market being a model-based sales guy and watching it. And then you know I did that for six seven years while just becoming a realtor and selling homes all over the place, but then as Eddy Street kicked off and as a lot of that townhome stuff kind of wound down, we saw this incredible demand for people to be in that new Notre Dame Triangle neighborhood next to Eddy Street, and it was people were asking about it all the time, and they're like, I have to be in the Triangle, I have to be, in the, you can't be in the Triangle, it's sold out before the first basement went in the ground, which. Was un- unusual even in itself mm-hmm. because right. this isn't in Granger, people. This and is in downtown it was South Bend, Coming
2: right? right out of the recession too, you right. know. It was amazing. Uh, a lot of new construction in our area had come to a screeching halt, and yet the demand for that was huge. So what years are we talking? Well, what year did the Triangle
1: trying kicked off in 1213? Um, wow. so yeah. but still, in I mean, only yeah, the in bottom the last of the recession, is the middle of 11. Yeah. Right, so right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, this neighborhood pops like instantly it's like what is going on and so then in 2013 we put our toes in the water in this market largely because we had client even trinity a trinity former trinity graduate mm-hmm. moved back to the area and said hey we really want to be in the notre dame triangle right. like mm-hmm. well you can't be but we might be able to get you close if you're willing to wait so we spent a year trying to find some land and put some product out there and when we built that first home on corby 600 block of corby we got to hold some open houses there for six months and we got to start having conversations with South Bend. and there was like 20 buyers that came through that over a six month period that said, yeah, I really want to be down here. And we're like, wow, like this is like, I just didn't understand this yeah, movement. It wasn't, and it wasn't
2: just Notre Dame alumni. I not think at that's all. a misconception. 15
1: people of the 20 were local people really? mm-hmm. working at the South Bend clinic or they owned a business down on South Michigan street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were uh in the same year of high school as mayor Pete and mm-hmm. dave Matthews. i mean we all knew each other when we were you know
2: yeah no hanging I, out at campfires so. graduation <laughs> <I laughs> year pumped out so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think paul fairs right there yeah i think Pete right, yeah. was at my 16th birthday party if yeah. i remember right yeah so, yeah yeah yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah and so and and a lot of us have been fortunate enough to get into real estate or you know and have the ability to have some influence on this. In fact, we formed a group back in like 2008 called the young developers forum and Dave Matthews and myself and Paul fair and Andrew Nemeth. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other guys used to get together down at like Fiddler's hearth and have a beer and talk about what, what could we really do in this town? They talk about the brain drain in Indiana. And we're like, we think South Bend's an awesome place. Like what can we do to bring our talents here to make this town awesome and so much has happened you know since yeah, the like let set the stage but what's coming next is is gonna be yeah, huge
2: there's a lot of momentum tons yeah. of momentum yeah.
0: um and then to jump back over to you mm-hmm. for a second so you went from flourish to what you're doing now yeah um, kind of talk about that journey and sure um how you're using that now with irish realty
2: yeah so um I think I kind of hinted that after I closed the store, I took just a quick pause or a breath. Um, I had worked really hard for eight years. I had a brand new baby, um, our second kiddo. Um, but um, so I took some time off, and then I noticed that there was this need. So Stephen, um, our you know, our company basically is involved in so much new construction remodeling redevelopment that there was a huge need for design Um, so we would i would go into a house that was about to be listed and one of our team members would have picked say the carpet the tile the the kitchen and so forth and it wasn't bad but I just could see the potential for um for it to go to even a newer level I'm super familiar with trends everything from HGTV and Joanna Gaines and Fixer Upper and so forth and so (laughs) it was killing me to see like a tile put in for say for example that was hot five years ago but oh my gosh we spent all this money on tile we could have put in what's hot now you know so basically I just used my um, design my love for design to jump in and start picking selections for all of our remodels and new construction projects and then there was a need for staging them Um, and so it, it just started out as me basically you know, doing some decorating and so forth, but I'm super entrepreneurial so I saw how that could become a true business and I decided to grab the name that I worked so hard for in Flourish and just morph it into, you know, interior design and called it Designed to Flourish. Um, although honestly, people still just call it Flourish. Which, <laughs> is, which, is, which wrong is fine. I yeah, love that. Fine. I love it. It's like uh, when you watch the movie with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and yeah, they're drop like, drop the the, the, the for Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so w- we're we're totally happy with it just being known as flourish so yeah so but um so at this point i have two girls working for me full-time and uh, so we're a team of three plus we have um, movers and um, a number of independent contractors that do all the contract work to you know implement the designs that i pick and uh, it's become a great partnership um, where we can work together but not for one another you know so so we're constantly in communication and, and driving each other's passions forward.
0: You mentioned there's a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of fill us in on the current state of the real estate market in South Bend and talk about some of that momentum that you had mentioned.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we went through this brutal recession. Uh, the stock market crash was in October of 08, but really housing was one of the major components that led to the stock market crash. So we saw the recession begin in 2006 yeah. and just deep and
0: deepen. The deepened big deepened short, deepened. I saw that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's very true.
1: So the bottom, the inflection point, for at least for housing and for most of the economy, about March of 11, then it kind of turns and starts climbing back up. So by 14, housing starts to become pretty good again in our area, and there's a lot of vitality. Um, and then the last couple years here in particular, probably the last three years, have been boom years. That it's a seller's market. And, and especially in the last 18 months to two years, we've been having inventory shortages. And that's a couple things that are, that are promulgating that. So, you know, we used to build eight, 900 homes a year in St. Joe County before the recession. Then for 10 years, permits dropped under 200. That's about 6,000 homes that didn't get built. That probably should have been built, right? And so now, that coupled with the emergence of HGTV and smartphones, so people's preferences in housing aesthetically, you know, have changed dramatically. And so yeah. people may say, "Well, yeah, there's a house for sale, but I'm not interested in it."
2: Yeah, everybody wants an HGTV house. It's you know, a, they just they it's want a big out. deal, right? Yeah, I think back in our parents' generation, people took almost like joy or pride in getting a fixer upper and and. Not in the way HGTV shows it where it's a a week. It's like they understood that they would update the carpet it themselves. and then, you know, forever. put a little sweat equity in and live with this kitchen for fifteen years or or whatnot. Well, I think the trend right now in buyers is they want they don't want to do that over yeah, time people have they busy
1: want, lives. Yeah, you know they want it done. We want interest house. rates are very affordable. So re- I don't have $20,000 of cash, but if there's $20,000 of renovations done and I can fold it in my mortgage, that's a hundred bucks a month. Right. Let's get a house that's moving ready and live rather than And I think that's that. kind of
2: what, I, I mean, I guess sets us apart, you know, is that that is our goal is to provide that we will list any house. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if people don't want to update it, we're still happy to, to list it. We just recommend that they do. And we have the methodology, basically, and the resources to help them do that. So um if someone wants to list a house, for example, and it's dated, we will come in and recommend the design uh, changes. And then we can also provide um, microfinancing for them and the connection to our contractors and manage that project and then come in at the end and stage it. So it's it's really like a point A to Z process, uh, whereas a lot of other realtors in town really don't have those resources. So they're going to market with the house as is. But we're, you know, purposefully going to market with as uh, updated and stylish of homes as possible. So,
1: Awesome. Yeah, and, we're, and to, to talk a little more macro then mm-hmm, again about sorry. South Bend, what's coming, you know, kind of a thing. We're seeing a, a, a swelling tide of a trend. So not only aesthetically, it's been a good market, seller's market, values are on the rise, people are moving. Boomers and millennials are driving the housing market, the two biggest generations ever, and they are both are hungry for housing. But both of their preferences are trending towards smaller homes mm-hmm. rather than the big, you know, McMansion in the suburbs. Trending, trending, right? And that's it's emerging. And they want to be they, – they're valuing community. And so the idea of pulling into your garage and closing the, the door and not knowing your neighbors is – waning everyone's still busy so you don't you don't always want your neighbor to talk to you but sometimes you, you want to you know <laughs> you, you know but but also they want to be able to walk to amenities and fitness and yeah. health and
2: restaurants greenness and greenness and, and you know whatever yeah. and
1: it's certainly good for for city planners and people like that i mean The resources needed to pave roads and have police force and hospitals in a smaller area is just vastly easier to do. So as there's budgetary pressures and stuff too, municipalities are probably going to be really glad that this is where housing trends are. But as we begin to put products forth uh, in that Notre Dame market, in the East Bank area, People are desiring some smaller homes with higher level of finishes, and we're trying to find ways. I mean, you often don't think of South Bend as very much of an urban environment, but there's a lot of de- demand and need for that. So even though not everything is going to be Dave Matthews twelve-story buildings, we do need some of that. But we need more duplexes and triplexes, and we need more stacked condos and and things of that nature. And so hopefully. Uh, You're going to hear a lot more discussion about that, and we're going to see a lot more of that from our planners as we're bringing that stuff forward. Love it. Love it.
0: So a couple more uh, questions before we get to the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, so you go on your social media. uh, You're very involved parents. Mm -hmm. I want to know how some of your tips and tricks, um, not for me, I don't have any kids, but maybe some of our listeners, balancing an empire and family life uh if either of you can speak to that
2: (laughs) well i mean it's an everyday battle i think (laughs) yeah i mean we're constantly um adjusting and so forth and some of that is just necessary because your children change over time but um you know, like I said, it did require me uh, changing my career direction a little bit be- in order to va- value family that highly. Um, and it's a sacrifice I've been willing to make. I think we've been in different seasons. So I think understanding that each um, member of the family, meaning like each spouse, is going to have a different season that they need to explore and grow in is important. So for eight years, Stephen really um, esteemed my career with flourish. And, uh, I don't want to say he put his career on the back burner cause he definitely didn't. I think if you look at his history, you can see how much he was growing too. But there was a point in time where it was almost a silent understanding between us that if I needed to take a market trip to Las Vegas to buy for the store, that that was okay. And he was going to pick up the kids and, and, and be Mr. Mom for a little bit while I was gone. Um, and I came to a very real decision to let him basically have a season where I took a little bit more of a back seat, and he jumped into the driver's seat on career. And uh, I think we have like a really healthy give and take in that relationship or in our relationship. And then also, um, we try and involve our kids in our work to some degree. So, um, we will like the summer Christian was mowing lawns (laughs) for the family business and so forth. And we take our kids, um, to different open houses sometimes, or they've put flyers in boxes before or helped break down boxes at my store at one time, things like that. So we just, we, we just help them and consider them part of the journey. So.
1: I got, I got two tips on that. Just, you know, things that I think have been helpful. One, Quality time versus mm-hmm. quantity. Yeah. Um. You know, and sometimes parents we think we have to do everything for our kids, and so, you know, Christian was in a, a competitive travel soccer league, but he wasn't that good at soccer and was never <laughs> going to play. Even well, you know, you what know, if he listens
2: to this. Yeah, he <laughs> knows. He knows. He knows. And so
1: that was a huge commitment. It would require travel every weekend yeah. for one child. We have two other children currently. You know what I mean? And so it's just a lot. We said, you know this really is too much in this one area.
2: Yeah, it was out of Let's
1: do of MSA, which is recreational soccer, eight week season, one practice a week, right. right? You know, those kinds of things. And that was a better balance for our life. So Christian could still play soccer and have a ton of fun, get some exercise, but it wasn't like nuclear in a particular area. Mm-hmm. So, so parents need to realize, hey, you don't have to go crazy in these areas. Having some quality stuff, but not as much quantity of it is great. And then the other thing for me, and this is, this is key for people who haven't realized it yet, when you get to the end of your work day, your work is not going to be done. So you need to mm-hmm. decide when it's family time and you need to walk off the field because you're never going to get your work done. So to know, hey, I'm going to work until dinner time and then I'm going to turn my phone off yeah and, and, be okay pick, and be okay with the be okay with it. Yeah, and let the chips are. fall where they may yeah. you know you know in real estate clients expect you to answer your phone till yeah. 10 o'clock at night and do this and that or no way later. you're gonna eat my voicemail <laughs> and we're gonna talk tomorrow because there's nothing that can't wait till tomorrow and my family needs me now yeah. and so we try to find times where we can walk off the field um, and just say no I'm putting my phone on the nightstand and I'm not checking it again till tomorrow morning and that's super super important To have some boundaries between your work and your family life. It's
0: so good. I love it. Mm -hmm. And then one more question before we get to the fun stuff. Uh, And we ask everybody this. Um, If a young couple is listening to this and, you know, they want to be the next Steve and Vanessa. (laughs) um, (laughs) So I'm more of, I guess, a professional side now. Uh What kind of advice would you have for them?
2: Um, Two things. One is that I would say hard work. Um, I would I would say not being afraid of hard work. So when I started flourish, I was wearing every hat in the business and um, I was carrying boxes up and down and doing the displays and managing people and, and so forth and you know there's just no way around that hard work. If you're willing to put in true hard work, I think um, you know, hopefully, um, your business will flourish, no pun intended. Um, and then also the second is I think that, um, having a teachable, humble spirit, um, to mentors is really important. So, um, I see a lot of people in the millennial generation, which technically we're a part of, but we don't really like feel like we naturally gravitate to. Um, and again, this isn't um, to d- demean them in any ways, but it, it seems like it's a, a common trend, not not true of every single person, but where there's a little bit of entitlement um, where they feel like hey I've worked here I need a raise every six months or or whatnot and I think having that humble spirit to be like hey I don't I don't deserve a raise I'm here to learn from you or you know I'm being willing to just learn be a sponge basically and soak up everything that you can gain from different mentors um, is really important and I'm sure Stephen can elaborate on that because you really strongly believe in mentorship I know so
1: I do Yep. yeah yeah, I've, I've been surrounded by many mentors, and it's important to have mentors in your field and outside of your field. So you need business mentors, not in your field, business mentors in your field, personal mentors. I met one-on-one every week for five years with a great man named Bud Rose. And one of the things I loved about Bud is he'd been married for 50 years. He raised six kids. He got a great faith life. He worked, you know what I mean? And so I needed just as much mentorship and how to be a good dad and how to be a good husband and how to maintain a a relationship with the Lord and my spiritual life as I did about my real estate life and keeping those those things in balance. I've had dozens of great mentors, and they're going to make a huge difference in your ability to – You know, become something. Obviously, if you want to become more than you are now, right, you are going to have to become something that you are not now, right? And so, taking those steps, three quick points as I think about that. One, get started. Mm, My first mm -hmm. day in real estate, they sent me on a listing appointment with no training and no one to accompany me, right? And so, I'm like, clicking through this PowerPoint. I'm a a legendary procrastinator. I'm clicking through this PowerPoint that I did not look at ahead of time. That was not real smart. And I'm going through and I'm reading the slides, trying to figure out what to say. And finally, I just closed the laptop and I said, you know what? This is my first day in real estate, but I'm a hard worker. I got great people behind me. I'm gonna reduce my fee significantly because I'm not worth it. (laughs) Because, Because I'm not worth it. But if you hire me, i will sell your home you will have a good experience what do you say and i thought they were going to throw me out and they said yes right and so get in the game and get started and it can be a small starting is always the hardest part i started working out this week right i've been (laughs) avoiding that for years Right? i started get started number one get started don't say you want to do something Take a step, any step, a small step. You can research about it. Get started. Number two, you talked about hard work. There is no substitute for it. Yep. And I will qualify that to work to learn. So yeah. as you, those people, when they hired me, I didn't have much value for them, right? Right. Get better, do whatever you can to learn about your business and and become better so that you have real skills. Your goal is to become valuable to your clients or whatever it is that you're trying to do. You, need, you always need to bring value. So always prioritize learning, even if that means you're working for free or mm-hmm. you're doing whatever, or you'll shadow someone who knows what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna learn a ton. That education will translate to money and value. And the final point, prioritize relationships over money every so time. time. there's so many times that I have worked for free, that I have paid to learn. I mean, I would take any assignment that I could get. And every time I build a relationship, more relationships came from it. Depth of relationship came from it. And that's huge. And I, and I honestly believe that that's a biblical scriptural thing too, as well. I think that that Christ prioritized people in relationships. And so when you do that, over time, you know, we always want to get there without the work, right? You don't know yeah. I mean? want to be able to get there in one day. But if I look back across my career, the relationships that i built over time have been a huge factor in bringing me a lot farther than many of my peers.
2: And I think, too, I will add, add to mine that um, being after you've already gotten started and you're kind of in the thick of maybe your career or your own business or whatnot to take yourself to the next level, be a constant learner. Um, So yes, learn from mentors. But you may eventually find yourself where you've promoted yourself to the point of like, oh, there is no more mentor in this field now there might be one in a personal relationship or whatnot but um, I have to learn this on my own no one's going to teach me and I will say that I think you know you do not have to have a Harvard business degree in order to be great in business Um, there's a lot you can learn online with Google or lynda.com or or just on YouTube or whatnot I mean I taught myself Photoshop because I didn't have the money to you know have someone do graphic design for flourish back in the day and so now I'm very adept at Photoshop and um you know so just be like an avid constant learner um and that doesn't stop even once you have gotten started i listen to podcasts (laughs) every day in the car yeah i made a purposeful decision about a year ago i said you know what i spend a lot of time in the car picking up kids and i am sick of i love listening to fun music and so forth but i'm sick of just kind of like having this brain drain of music i'm going to start listening to podcasts and learning new things so yeah
0: what are a couple of your favorites
2: um, I love how I built this by Guy yeah, Raz, yeah. and then I listened to The Gold Digger by Jenna Kutcher. So, okay. yep,
0: cool. With some fantastic advice across the board. <coughs> let's, uh, want to have a little bit more fun with these yeah, next few questions. Yeah, This is we're in a roll. So I googled like secrets of real estate agents, things your real estate agents won't tell you. <laughs> I want to do some myth busting. You, so okay. You, I'll tell you a few things, um, and then you tell me if that's like pretty spot on. Most people probably overestimate their home's worth. Is that true? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes.
2: There is, like, a funny (laughs) meme that shows, like, a house, and it says, like, this is what my banker thinks my house looks like, and it was, like, a hut, you know? (laughs) And this is what my appraiser thinks it looks like, and it's barely above a hut. And then – Um, and yeah, it said, this is what I think my house is. And it's like a giant mansion. So yes, (laughs) but
1: (laughs) yeah, people routinely, you know, they're just so used to seeing their own space or whatever, and they'll isolate on some particular feature of another home. They'll be like, well, my home has three bedrooms and this other home in my neighborhood with three bedrooms. Sold for this, and it's like, well, what about every other factor in your home? You know, like my
2: my favorite thing that people have been doing is because gold is coming back in. Like that's a design trend to have gold faucets and hardware. People will walk into a house and they'll have like a 1985 like brass chandelier. <laughs> and we're like goldish color. It's coming,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. We held on. Yeah,
1: I'm like no, that has to go.
0: And they're like, no, I
2: heard it's coming back. I'm like, it's that is not that coming one back. is not
1: coming back.
0: Sorry. <laughs> All
1: right, so that one's true.
0: All right, true or false on this one. Staging makes all the difference.
2: Definitely, yeah. We have seen like we have some true case studies where we've had houses on the market and we're getting showings, but maybe maybe it's not moving, and so we decide to stage. It's already been on the market for a while. We decide to stage. We stage the very next
1: next people. person through the next door. People. Really? Walk, buys walk in, it.
2: Full price offer. Full
1: price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of chasing it with price, make positioning makes all the difference. And we've yeah. talked a little bit about that. It's that visualization the home buying process is very emotional right it's very and it's very visual so when people see those pictures you're going to get more showings and when they walk through the door the experience of the space is going to be totally different. It's going to feel like home, right? Yeah, that we want feel them like to connect home, that feeling of move and ready. People buy decor <laughs> as much as they buy homes, even though they're not going to own the decor, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. They do. And so, yeah. They yes, try to, they try to write they, it they, authors, <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, that staging makes those images more powerful. It changes the experience that a client has when they're home. And yeah, we see a, a proven three to 5% increase in value Wow. That comes from from staging that we've documented over time, and then yeah, we just know from case studies. Here's a house that was on the market for six months. Stage it, gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Wow. So this one relates to open uh, open houses. Criminals are bad, but kids are worse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we can't talk because we have little kids
2: <laughs> no they can be hard on especially staged houses so so but. the
0: kids can kind of like wander away from mom and dad and oh wreak they, havoc they definitely can <laughs> i yeah i
1: remember uh this is a number of years ago now but the, in the builder's showcase of homes and builders are always dreading children because they're brand new yeah it's brand, brand new and you know new, right like, and so the builders are always like afraid oh, that, no. that kids are going to come in. <laughs> and, and one day a kid uh, came into a home and defecated in in, in a the room. closet in, like a room in room, the master like, closet. Oh, brutal! Yeah. So was no, was at least
0: found relatively quickly. It was. The yeah, I think, could I sit think there the
2: parent well. came and told the builder oh. actually, but it was still just like one of those just moments. Just, like, what do I say it's like right your worst now? Worst nightmare. <laughs> kid just dropped a load in the closet. Watch the person that the the parent is probably listening and horrified yeah, no, <laughs> that, no, was no you. that was my kid
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could have been mine it's okay <laughs> all right one more uh myth busting question uh we can't tell you if a property is haunted oh. actually
2: aren't we supposed to disclose that
1: so that uh, falls into a, a category called a psychologically affected property. This is a real thing? This so, is a real, a real th- thing. I mean, so when you go through yeah. real estate training, they talk about psychologically affected properties. Haunting is one of them. The other one is like if someone was a murdered, murdered yeah. in a home, mm-hmm. there was a violent crime that occurred. And so um, basically, basically the, the, the word on the street is if it was widely publicized, right? So if it's in the public domain, much as right. as a celebrity becomes public domain, if, if they're, you know, then, you ha- then you're obligated to share the information. Mm-hmm. So hauntings then therefore not yeah. quite that because it's like, well, is that even a thing, you know? Yeah. But, but if someone asks you a direct question, so if someone says, is, is this, this property haunted, haunted or have people claim that this property is haunted, it's part of like the realtor code of ethics and everything else that you are supposed. What? Yeah, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to address that question honestly. So you know what I mean. And so yeah, but you are not you are not obligated not like to disclose it if you were not asked yeah. directly. And again, haunting is one of those ones that's on the borderline because it's like hard to. Can pull. I tell? Can I tell <laughs> the a one, one story huh? of
2: like that one condo? Sure. So yeah, one time, <laughs> one time, <laughs> Stephen, uh, I had a good friend who was about to move to Denver because she like hadn't met anyone. This is back in our twenties, and um, Stephen said, "I have a condo that I want to show you. I think it would be perfect. You could." move out of your home because she was living at home and that was part of the issue too he said this is affordable you can move out of your home so we went over and looked at this condo and the second we walked in i got this horrible like creepy feeling all down my back and i literally turned around and walked out and and so steve came out and said what's going on like i said i feel something bad happened here and he goes that that's wild because there was a murder here, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Why are you showing this yeah. to my good friend?" <laughs> it's an awesome condo, we repainted I mean, well, and recarpeted, this, right? So. Come on.
1: <laughs>
2: so I don't know. I guess maybe it's a thing. <laughs> so
0: that's funny. Well, let's do some lightning round questions. Get I'm even more lighthearted, um, and we'll be directed to both of you. You can both answer them. Uh, I have a favorite toy growing up?
2: Barbies, fashion, Barbie. mm-hmm. Nintendo
1: for sure. Yeah. Like the original Nintendo? GoldenEye on the N64 oh. and Mario Kart 64. Mm.
0: That's my guy right yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Many hours. Uh, if you could time travel to any decade, which one would it be? Oh. Say you can spend a week there.
1: I would definitely go back to the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) I love the 80s. I was very young growing up in it, but I love the music and and everything that was going on then. It just seems like a cool time.
2: Yeah. I would go back to the roaring 20s just because I think it would be super fun, like all the fashion and music and stuff. Yeah, I think just for like a day, you know? But yeah, I think that would be so fun, like kind of Great Gatsby.
0: Awesome. Have either of you been stuck in an elevator? No. No, never been stuck in an Mm -hmm. elevator. And not, you ride them once. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I suppose. Fair amount. Yeah.
0: Never been stuck. Mm-mm. No, never been stuck. Encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> favorite. Um, favorite uh, I know, mean, you can say a few places too. Favorite area restaurants. If it's going to be just you two, you want to go out and grab a bite. Any uh, favorites you'll head to?
2: Yeah, we uh, love Temper Grill, um, and we love Render. Yep. And um, thinking about else out on the side of town, we love, we love, we love to go to Bob's Nineteenth Hole yeah um, okay. what what else I'm forgetting we we love to go and check out different restaurants and we lo- the more local the better so
1: bonefish for yeah. the uh, bang, bang bang shrimp bang. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah and then uh doc Pierce's downtown Mishawaka oh, well, yeah, that's yeah. a sleeper they mm-hmm. got, they got some great food there
2: oh you know a new a new place that I've been meeting friends for lunch is Baker and Rose right across the street here yeah. oh it's so yummy emporium, so, yeah, yeah exactly and we go to the emporium every once in a while and
1: Semonini Gourmet Mm -hmm. up in Granger has killer food and the Vastas Mm -hmm. do a great job there. And then uh, Capri Mm -hmm. out in Granger, they have just a wonderful dining space. And we often find because their dining area is so large that you can go in on a Friday or Saturday night with no wait. Yeah, that's which yeah, it nice. is yeah. killer. Now
2: you've ruined it. No, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah, good. That's we're going to go next Friday. <laughs> line the door. No. We were told there was no way. <laughs> oh, but and then um, McCree's, too. They I used to do fashion shows with with Jerry McCree, and um, so that's a great local place. We have a, had a lot of family reunions there too. So yep,
0: awesome. Do one more lightning round question here, um, and this one's a tough one. Uh oh. Would you rather sleep wearing handcuffs or a bike helmet? <laughs> mm, that is a tough one. <laughs> and you can be cuffed front or back. Probably front would be more comfortable. Or I would have to say
2: bike helmet because I sleep on my side, and I like one hand kind of like up and one around a pillow, the pillow. So that yep. I, like, I, don't, I do not think I could fall asleep wearing handcuffs.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go bike helmet as well. There's just something kind of claustrophobic about that whole handcuff thing. And I sleep like the dead, like literally like every night. I'm asleep in like seven seconds. Vanessa's talking to me. I'm still having conversations and it's just over. You know what I mean? And then (laughs) then the alarm goes off in the morning. I'm like... Oh, like eight hours went by, and I have like no recollection yeah. of it. You know, like,
2: it takes me hours to fall asleep. Yeah, so. that would be the same way.
0: Yeah. yeah, that'd be nice to be able to just snap a finger. Yeah, so, and be so out. bike
1: helmet, no problem. Yeah. Just like, wham. You know, elbow <laughs> <go> pads, <laughs> knee pads, roller blades. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole thing doesn't matter. Really you know.
0: <laughs> All right, so before we wrap up here, uh, give you guys a chance to plug um, whether it's website, social, personal social. Um, tell listeners where they can find you.
1: Awesome. So uh, we have a great website, stevesmithteam.com. On Instagram, we're Steve Smith Irish Realty. And then on Facebook, I'm Steve Smith, Top Michiana Realtor.
2: Awesome. Yep. And we are on Instagram and it's at design to flourish. And then the same on Facebook, design to flourish. And we are actually in the process of developing a new website, which will be designed to flourish.net, but don't go there quite yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. And remember to send this to friends, family, download, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, yeah. do it all. And I thank you, Stephen, and Vanessa thank for coming so on. Yeah this, really well. fun. yeah, this was great. And uh, hope to have you back on. Yeah, we'll awesome. see you soon. Welcome
1: to my city. Bring you to my city. Let you ride around my city. I can show you around my city. Welcome to my city. Bring you to my city. I can show you.